This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. If the Yankees were to sell at the deadline, it would be the biggest admission of failure on the part of the organization under this regime. Because last year they told us they were close. Ignore the fact that we got swept by the Astros after barely getting by the Guardians. We were close, if not for injuries. So to at the ensuing trade deadline of a season, you're going to say that we're so bad that despite all of that and an extra opportunity to get into the playoffs with the added wild card that instituted a couple years ago, you don't envision yourself as a team that could just simply get into the playoffs? This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Coming up at 3... Oh, there we go. There you go. Look, Teddy Pendergrass brought it up. We got to play a Teddy Pendergrass record. Ty Butler going until 6.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. And now we go to the guest line and bring in a phenomenal football mind. He's with NBC Sports, SNY, Pro Football Focus. He's got like 17 different podcasts and shows and uh, projects he's working on during the NFL season. So nice enough for him to come join us on the program. He goes by Connor Rogers. What's up, Connor? How you doing, brother? I'm good, Ty. Always a pleasure to talk to you, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I apologize for the awkwardness of bringing you into you know, Teddy Pendergrass and the you know, romantic music. Uh, so, so my apologies for that, Connor. We we got to talk some football, though, man. So I'm excited to to do that with you. How's everything going? Well, first, first before we even get to football, your Mets looking good, right? Uh, okay, listen, it might be a playoff list, uh, New York, in terms of baseball right now. So I mean, you're walking on eggshells there, Ty. And it's rough for the Mets right now. I mean, they they did you a favor by beating Boston earlier. We'll see if they could do it again tonight. Uh, but the consistency has been really, really ugly all season. Yeah, man. Uh, shout out to the Mets. Hopefully they can take care of business. The Yankees were in the in the cellar, in the, in the basement, in the AL East. So hopefully they could keep on beating on the Red Sox. And as the Yankees sweep the Royals tomorrow, they could uh, stay in fourth place. But I uh, do got to talk some football with you. As we know, training camp opened for the Jets this past week. Rodgers, got to get your thoughts on this. He you know, insinuated that if his body continues to feel good, there is a chance he could be here for more than one year, opening up this championship window for the Jets. So wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think it's huge. And I think it's something that was maybe not a mandate when the Jets acquired him, right? I think the Jets went in knowing that this is a guy that could change his mind at any moment. We've seen the ups and downs of his relationship in Green Bay with the Packers. But I think the thought with Rodgers has been as long as he's feeling good, it's not like this is somebody that's seen a significant drop-off in play. Obviously, last year the numbers weren't the same as the back-to-back MVP years, but there was a lot of things that were out of his control going on in Green Bay too. It's not just him dealing with the injury, but also the fact that uh, they had young wide receivers. They let Devontae Adams walk out the door. The interior of the offensive line was struggling. So now he goes to a situation in New York with the Jets that maybe things are just feeling a little bit more fresh, and it's rejuvenating him and giving him a, a fresh mind where he looks at it and goes, man, 
I don't need to be here for just one year because next year things would be the same. We're still going to have Garrett Wilson. Sauce Gardner is going to be here. We feel like this offensive line will start to build some chemistry with some of the younger players that they have gelling as well as that tight end and running back room. So I think for Rodgers, the Jets thought, hey, we can get him in here. We can get him rejuvenated and kind of sell him on our franchise, and that might motivate him to play beyond this year. I think ultimately he will play at least two, to be honest with you. So just looking at the landscape of the conference, and we know it is a gauntlet. Uh, the, the Bills in your division, the Dolphins, the Patriots, I want to dismiss. But it's hard to do that when you haven't beaten them since 2015. So throw them into the conversation. And then you go out of your division with the Ravens and the Bengals. Mike Tomlin always has the Steelers above 500. The Broncos with Peyton. You know, the Chargers, the Jags won a playoff game last year. So it's loaded uh, given all of that, Connor, what do you see as the ceiling, like a realistic ceiling for the Jets in year one of this Rodgers experiment? I think the ceiling for the Jets is finding a way to win the division, right? That's the ceiling. You go into it, now you split with Buffalo last year, and Buffalo, they remain atop this division right now until they're not. So that gives you a little hope that you felt like what your defense was able to do against Josh Allen. Now you have Rodgers. You feel like you have more consistency on the offensive side of the football that you can challenge Buffalo. I think the problem with going into that mindset, Ty, of saying, hey, we, we gave Buffalo our best last year, and we, got, we beat them at MetLife Stadium. Well, the Dolphins got a lot better this offseason. That's a big thing, too. Now, can Tua stay healthy? That's a question that nobody can answer, and it's going to be uh, really what ultimately decides their success or failures of the season. But they brought in Vic Fangio. They have a really talented defense. We know that Mike McDaniel can scheme up that offense with all the speed they have at running back and wide receiver. So Miami's going to be a tough out, and then you never bet against Belichick. As much as New England doesn't have the same talent on paper that the Jets, Bills, and Miami have, honestly not even close, the fact that they have Belichick always gives them that edge week by week. So I think when you look at it, you go in thinking the ceiling, can we win the division? Would that give us a home playoff game, something that we haven't had in decades? And then you go into it and say, what kind of run can we make? Well, they're going to see the Chiefs. They're going to see the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. They're going to see the Chargers on Monday Night Football. They're going to run into these teams, and they're going to have that test early. And it's not just how they fare against them early in the season, but how they adjust when ultimately they can run into them in the postseason. So if Rodgers has a year that's closer to 2020 or 2021, there's no reason why the Jets can't make a run to the AFC title game. Now, the real question, though, is can the offensive line uh, hold up, of course, and can the defense replicate what they did last year or maybe build off of it? That will dictate the ceiling for the Jets and how far they go when ultimately they make the playoffs. I really think they will. I'm annoyed that Belichick saw that there was a flaw in what he was doing with his offense last year. Should have kept Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I thought that was a solid plan. I didn't <laughs> love bringing in Bill O'Brien, so I think he made a mistake there. Uh, am I crazy to think that as a Jet fan, I'm more afraid of the Dolphins next year than I am of the Bills. Just because I, I, I've i seen this Bills thing become overrated. They've been to one AFC Championship game with Josh Allen. Uh, there's trouble in paradise, it appears, with Stephon Diggs. They lost Leslie Frazier as their defensive coordinator. And people forget sometimes they were the number two scoring defense last year. Uh, but meanwhile, Miami, we, as you mentioned with Tua, was electrifying. He was an MVP candidate up until he started dealing with the concussion issues. And Mike McDaniel, to your point, had that team within striking distance of winning on the road in the playoffs in Buffalo, despite the fact that they had Skylar Thompson, their third-string quarterback. Uh, so am I crazy to be more afraid of Miami than I am of Buffalo heading into next season? 
I don't think so at all. Honestly, you look at how much better that Miami defense is going to be this year, and it's not just adding Fangio and Ramsey, but the fact that you have a young pass rusher and Jalen Phillips who you know, might be the, their biggest on-the-rise kind of player. He can make a huge jump into double-digit sacks this season. When you have a play caller, McDaniel coming from the Shanahan tree, and obviously he wasn't just a guy that hung out with Kyle Shanahan. He was in charge of their entire run game week after week, and you saw – his, his ability to translate uh, away from Shanahan last year when he had Tua under center, not Skylar Thompson. So Shanahan, uh, McDaniel's a big competitive advantage, just like Shanahan can be on the NFC side. He's not on that level week by week yet, but he is a competitive advantage in terms of calling the plays. And then the fact is, too, when you just look at the Jets right now, I'm not going to sit here and say they have Josh Allen's number because they don't. But when you look at the Bills, there's a lot of times, and they're trying so hard to get away from this, but they have to prove that they're gotten away from it they kind of fall into, okay, we're in trouble. Our offensive scheme isn't really working. We're not going to establish the run. We, we, Stephon Diggs might be taken out of this game, and if he's taken out of this game, Josh Allen, you got to be Superman. That, that's kind of how their offense can fall into bad situations. And the Jets have been one of those teams, notably last year, that can force him into those situations because guess what? They have the, the magic eraser to Stephon Diggs and Sauce Gardner. They have a front yep. that can hold up against the run. So when Josh Allen just starts to kind of run around and extend plays, well, they were able to create turnovers as well a couple of times. So I think with Miami, everything is – the bigger, larger point I'm trying to make here is everything with Miami is so structured and on rhythm, and when everyone's healthy, they can consistently win that way. With the Bills, you love their ability to improvise when things get really tough and what you came into the game trying to do isn't working, but the Jets seemed to kind of crack that code a little bit last year. So – I don't think you're insane at all for having that take. Talking to Connor Rogers here on the Ty Butler Show. Connor, part of me feels wrong for even asking this because I like the guy. I've interviewed him before. He's a very nice guy. But Robert Sala, at some point, he's going to have to prove he's a good head coach. I don't care how talented your roster is. When you're in this conference with all the head coach quarterback combinations that you're dealing with, he's going to have to separate himself. And he doesn't have to be Belichick, uh, but he has to prove that he's better than 11 and 24, which has been in the first two years. Uh, is there pressure going go on him going into this year? And how do you see him dealing with that? And, and what do you think his ceiling is as a head coach? There absolutely is, because like you said, I completely agree with you, Ty. A really likable guy. He you know, helped the Jets rebound from, let's not forget, before him was Adam Gase. And it's not that the Jets were bad. The Jets were horrific. And on top of being horrific, they were embarrassing, right? It was some embarrassing football with Adam Gase under, uh, with the head coaching set on there. With the, the lack of offense, lack of defense, everything was a disaster. Player development. Robert Sala has been able to bring respectability back to the Jets franchise. He's the guy that can answer the hard questions after a bad game. He's the guy that never gets too high after a good game. But you're right. At some point, your record says, you know, exactly who you are, and this is the year where all of the cracks in the ship feel like they've been solved, right? Last year, constantly felt like they were looking and pointing to quarterback, sometimes behind the scenes, but a lot of times also publicly, which isn't that great as well. You have a veteran play caller here now in Nathaniel Hackett to work with that quarterback who he has a relationship with. you got all these pass rushers that make your defense go. And credit to Sala and Ulbricht, the defense really figured it out last year. That was as advertised. When Robert Sala was hired, he had that Super Bowl run as a defensive coordinator with the 49ers. It was for how smart of a defensive guy he is and the leader that he is. 
He didn't look so great the first year with the Jets when they didn't have the talent for his scheme. Year two, it looked phenomenal when they got some of those young guys really firing on all cylinders. But you got to win games in a conference. It's just brutal. When you look at the Bengals, the Ravens, I mean, getting out of the division, right? You have the Bengals, the Ravens, of course. You look at the step that Trevor Lawrence is going to try to take this year. Forget the West. It's just insane with the Chargers and the Chiefs. So I think when it comes down to it, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him to win because the Jets have to end the playoff drought right now, which, by the way, is the longest out of the four major sports tied with the Buffalo Sabres right now. They want to get their names off of that. It was them and the Kings for a long time. The Kings were able to break that. So they just want to get rid of that. And then they want to find a way to actually make some noise in the postseason. So I think for Salah, I actually am a believer in Salah. I think he has the right mindset. I think he's a great defensive coach. Now you have the MVP caliber quarterback that can take some pressure away from uh, all of the you know strains the offense kind of put on the entire team. But at the end of the day, it's put up or shut up, and we're going to find out about that this year. All right, let's talk about the other team that plays at MetLife Stadium, the team, the G-men, the New York Giants. Your thoughts on the Saquon Barkley situation and everything that unfolded this past week? It's ugly. There's just no way around it. And I understand everybody kind of right pointing in the direction. People are saying, well, this is what the running back market is. The Giants are being smart. And then people saying, well, this has been your franchise player and a guy that takes so much pressure off of an offense that, let's be real, doesn't have a lot of firepower right now as they're trying to rebuild this thing and that he's their workhorse right now, and he needs to get paid while he's in his prime before the wheels really fall off here. So the problem is everybody's right. I think that's the issue, right, without knowing the negotiations, because there's nonsense out there that Saquon turned down this, and then Saquon says, you know, or there's leaks from his camp saying, no, that never existed. We don't know what the offers have been. I mean, what ultimately seems fair, I remember when the Packers went through this with Aaron Jones in a much more brief way. They basically paid off two guaranteed franchise tags. I don't know if the Giants are willing to do that with Saquon Barkley, and I don't know if Saquon Barkley is willing to take that, but if you're Saquon Barkley, how could you go into this year on a one-year deal? I don't care how much money you've made or how much money you're going to make on that one-year deal or what the position is. The reality is his leverage right now is that without having that franchise tag tender signed, he does not have to go to training camp, and he's not losing any money. When he misses games, he loses money, but he could show up for week one. And that puts the Giants in a bad spot. It really, really does. Because you don't just come into, uh, you don't report to the facility, you know, right before week one and you're ready to go. You need ramp-up time like everybody else. And the Giants, they can't afford that. This guy is their offense right now. He is the guy that makes life easier. And it also there's the side to it, Ty, where it's just disappointing for everyone because this is a dude that's carried himself the right way. He's battled back from significant injury. He's well-loved by the fans. There's no doubt about that. You never want a player that's well-liked and is a star and does all the right things uh, to be kind of turned into, I'm not going to call it the villain because that's utterly ridiculous, but shown in a bad light because he has to make a really hard business decision that, frankly, I don't blame him for. So nobody wins right now in this situation. That's my take is that nobody comes out on top, and that's a really unfortunate situation for both the Giants and Saquon Barkley. Could you see him actually, because there have been some threats, you know, he could sit out the entirety of the season. I, I thought that it was baseless because, to, in my estimation, it doesn't make any sense. doesn't get you closer yep. to you know, getting a bigger contract, and it, it certainly fractures the relationship with the team that's, that you're currently employed by. Could you actually see him sitting out the entirety of the year? No, I can't. I, I don't think we'll ever see that again. With the way the CBA is structured, you, you just you lose all your money. And you know what? At the end of the day, go make the guaranteed money in that one-year window. It's still a lot of money. Uh, obviously, if you take care of yourself and invest right and do all the things the right way, 
that tender is still a lot of money in a one-year window, but you don't have to go to training camp, right? You don't have to go to training camp. You don't have to risk that kind of injury. Sitting out the year, the problem with that is, Ty, for a quarterback, it would be different, right? A quarterback can actually sit out games into the year, and then at some point, if a trade happens, whatever team trades for him is going to pay him exactly what he wants because the supply and demand is in a totally different place for quarterbacks and a lot of other positions, pass rusher, offensive tackle, than it is for running back. The problem for Saquon Barkley, which is so unfortunate to hear because he's an awesome player for the NFL, is that people don't really care to go get a running back like that. They're not going to give up a significant asset. They're not going to give up the financial asset aspect either. So you're right, it's baseless. It it stinks to say, but right now his leverage is I'm not going to be ready for training camp, and that hurts the team. What are you going to do to get me back right away? But as soon as the, the sand really empties out of that hourglass, that's it. He'll be back. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, what that really means in the short term for the Giants and ultimately the long term. Connor Rogers is our guest on the program. You have a, an awesome, you know, pulse on all things football, not just Jets or Giants. I, I look at the NFC and there are three teams I know for sure who are playoff teams. The Eagles, the Niners, and the Cowboys. Now, you know, certainly the Lions, we're all excited about them and what they could become, the Seahawks. Like, there are other teams, but those are the three teams I know for certain. It feels, you know, obviously more wide open than the NFC, uh, than the AFC, which is why I am so shocked, Connor, that there's this sentiment out there that we've accepted, you know, the Giants could take a step back next year. And I'm thinking, well, you love your head coach, you love your GM, He's built the team right the right way. You just paid your quarterback as if he's an upper echelon, you know, at that position. So, so why are we expecting that they're going to take a step back in a conference that's pretty wide open outside of three teams? It's true. I, the reality is with this conference is you could have been a team that stood still, really didn't do a whole lot to get better, and you might somehow be projected for higher results in this conference. And you look at the Giants in that capacity, and you look at, right, maybe the Vikings. And I understand some people might sit there and go, well, you know, the Vikings, they lost Adam Thielen. They just cut Dalvin Cook. But the problem is, you know, when you look at the Vikings winning 13 games last year, I don't think they'll repeat that by any stretch of the means. But you look at the Giants winning nine last year. Who really is Seattle would be my one that I think Seattle got a lot of young talent, and now they have a structure with Geno in play uh, that they'll be better you know, you brought up the Eagles, the Niners, of course, the Cowboys. Don't worry about them. Seattle would be my only one that I look at Seattle. They could take the jump. Like you said, the Lions can take that jump. We still need to see it. I mean, the Bucks don't have Tom Brady anymore. The Commanders are just treading water right now. Green Bay's entering a totally unpredictable era with Jordan Love. Carolina starting a rookie quarterback. The Saints with Derek Carr, I don't know how much they really scare you. I like what Atlanta could ultimately do. Uh, but they don't have a quarterback either right now. So, and, and it feels like the Cardinals are just going to be a mess. The Rams, uh, they were a mess last year already with Stafford's lack of health. And the Bears with Justin Fields, you'd like to see him take a big step, but you got to see that as well. So it, it's, it's such a laughable conference compared to the AFC where every star quarterback plays across the board, where if you don't have a star quarterback in the AFC, you can't survive. In the NFC, if you have a star quarterback, it almost feels like you're automatically written in ink into a top-four seed. It almost feels like a sick joke, too, that now that the Jets finally, you know, get it their quarterback, they got things going. 
<laughs> going in the right direction. You're smacked in the middle of where, where I even said on the show, there's a case for like six teams to come out the AFC. Like you could make a legitimate one. Like obviously the Chiefs and the Bengals have to be in tier one just because of what they've accomplished with their current groups and their head coaches. But you can talk yourself into four, you know, four or five other teams coming out the conference. It just feels like a sick joke to me, Connor, and I don't love it. Know exactly what's going to happen, Ty. We're, you know, the Jets, whether they make the playoffs or not, but we'll fire up the playoffs on the NFC side that week one, you know, wild card oh, round. Man. And somehow, whether it's Taylor Heineke for the Falcons or Sam Howell for the Commanders, there's going to be somebody out there that, you know, no disrespect to them. It's just hilarious that they are starting for a playoff game while maybe a Lamar Jackson or uh, and Aaron Rodgers or whoever, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert is sitting at home on the other side of things. That's the ironic, funny, uh, but not so funny reality with these two conferences right now. Yeah, I could see it now. Like the Jets go 10 and 7, miss the playoffs on a tiebreaker. And in the NFC, you've got this dopey team that's under 500 hosting a playoff game. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's already giving me nightmares. Connor, really appreciate it, man. Appreciate you on the show. As always, you do an excellent job. I look forward to, you know, talking it up with you as we progress through the season. We're getting closer and closer. I believe it's, what, 51 days now before the start of the year? And you know I'm pumped, man. So I'm excited. I'll, I'll be talking to you, and uh, we'll see what, what cool things you have cooking up on your end. Ty, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure talking to you. You do such a great job, and, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much, man. That's Connor Rogers. does an excellent job for all of his platforms, NBC Sports, SNY, PFF. So make sure you check him out on Twitter, at Connor Rogers. 800-919-3776. We will get back to your phone calls. Want to stick with the football for right now? This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Party time. 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going until 6.30. We playing the vibes. Big up Harvey Cruz. Also want to give a shout out. The company's been showing me a lot of love. So I to let them know. I see it. At Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. I see y'all. I see y'all vibing with the, with the bro. So appreciate you guys. 800-919-3776. On my TV screen, I've got the NFL Network. They are replaying the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs, and my mind is trying to register what it's going to take to compete with these teams now that I have a quarterback, now that I have a, a defense, now that I have a team that has aspirations of, of being a contender. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. We just heard from Connor. <laughs> All, we, we forget about the Jaguars. We forget sometimes about the Broncos. We forget about the Browns with Watson. I, I make fun of the Pats just because Mac Jones, I don't think he's any good. By the way, I was excited to see DeAndre Hopkins go to Tennessee and not New England because, you know, that would have turned into uh, Hopkins, who everyone says has lost a step and you can't really run the way that he used to. He was going to go to the Patriots and ball out. So I'm glad to not see that happen. Uh, but it, all these teams, and if you're the Jets, you can't get the benefit of the doubt nationally. Because you just, you just haven't shown anything. So the national attention is now on you. You're going to be on you know, not just local shows, but those national TV shows. You're joining the fray with the likes of 
the Mahomes and the Burroughs and the Allens. You're going to be a part of the discussion nationally, and it's different. It's different. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Kyle in Queens. He chimes in on the Ty Butler Show. What's up, Kyle? What's going on? How y'all doing? Yo, we chilling, man. What's going you hear on? Me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up? I was I was calling about the Yankees in the Mets, but I wanted to chime in real quick on the um the current state of the, the the Jets and the Giants real real quick. I was just gonna say that uh even though the Saquon Barkley thing may not it, it, it may fall through the hoop, it may not fall through the hoop. I'm a Giants fan. I'm more interested to see in the Jets because my whole entire life the Jets haven't really been good other other than Mark Sanchez. I'm only twenty five. So like I'm 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 on the fence with them. I, I think they could do some things, but it really just depends. Like you said, Robert Salah's a, a defensive coach, a defensive-minded coach. And it all depends. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to have to really, like, not happy, but, like, run his own type of offense. Or, you know what I'm saying? He's going to he's gonna say no to certain play calls. He's going to run what he likes because he knows what it takes to win at, at the offensive level. So, I'm well, really he's had. I think they – go ahead. He's had – Kyle, he's had success – with Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, during his interview on DPH on Rothenberg and since he's come to New York, he's talked about the relationship just isn't on the field. Like he's cool with the family. Like they have a, a nice rapport. And last time we saw him with Hackett, he was winning back-to-back MVPs. So it, it, to me, the, the concern with Salah isn't running an offense. It's running the entire operation, late-game situations, you know, tenor of the team. When, you know, things start to get crazy, chaotic, and break down, we still need you to be that leader of men that the great head coaches are in pressure situations. Sure, for sure. And that's why I'm on the fence because I really do think as a Giants fan, I really do think that the Jets really can do something real quick because they had the elite defense last year. They were losing games and the games was like seven to seven to zero, seven to three, ten to three. If they could get some competent offense, it would be all right. And as far yeah, as the, uh, the Dolphins go, I'm not I'm not too sold on the Dolphins. They got a lot going on with Tua and all that. Let's see how he comes back from 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 where he came back from. We all know what happened. I, I'm not really too sold on them. Off defense has had a, a year to study this offense, so we'll see how how they go. Kyle, uh, um, not Kyle. Mike Shanahan is, is 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 more of an elite offensive mind. I have more faith in the 49ers and that in the NFC than I do in the uh, Miami Dolphins. I think that the Jets could easily easily take that number two and go into the wild card if the Bills fold. Because we gotta understand that the Bills are not what they used to be. So, yeah. you got to see what I appreciate the, the Jets have a real good shot. They do. I appreciate the call, Kyle. You're talking about Kyle Shanahan, who's the uh, offense uh, guru and the head coach of the of the Niners. But I, I, I get the point that you're making. I, I wouldn't say it's going to be easy, dis, you know, dispensing of the Dolphins. But it, it, it'll be exciting to finally be a part of you know, the competition in this way, where you're not just a rollover. Where, you know, teams or fans of other teams can't just look at the schedule and say, oh, we play the Jets next week. That's an easy dub. It ain't happening. 800-919-3776. We return to your phone calls when we get back right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's get it. Ty Butler going until 630. Right here on 98.7 ESPN, we're filling in for Gordon Damer. 
If you saw in the pre-show tweet to promote the program today, I threw it on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. Pinch hitting for Gordon Damer this afternoon, beginning at 3 p.m. on ESPN 98.7 FM. My algorithm says 20-0 is on the table for the Dolphins. Now, the reason why I put that is... Oh, my for, gosh. For those of you who listen to Gordon, which you should be every night with Larry from 10 to midnight and then every Saturday from 3 to 6, he's trolling the Jets. He, he's got this algorithm that has them going, what do you say, 15-2, and two, I believe it is, Harvey? 15-2. and two. I guess he learned that on TikTok. You don't see that? But, you don't see 15-2 and two for the Jets this year? I mean, come on. Uh, What the hell is he talking about? He despises the Jets. He he said it himself. He hates all things Jets. And he's gotten an opportunity, you know, pretty much for the entirety of his life to make fun of them because they've given him plenty of material. I mean, the Jets. The Jets have just even sniffing success started to vomit all over themselves. Like, I I can go through the history, but I'll, I'll save you from that. So he's, he's gotten a chance to capitalize on it. And now I think he's nervous because while I will acknowledge, as I no! mentioned earlier, the Dolphins actually strike more fear in my heart than the Bills do. He sees that, you know, this could, the tide could be changing. He, he, he realizes he could have to come on his radio show every single day and talk about how good the Jets are. And that spooks him because he's never had to do that. So that fifteen and two thing, people call me a troll. Uh, fifteen and two, you, he, you think the Jets are going fifteen and two? There's no chance he thinks that. Now the most optimistic fan, Ira in Staten Island, like, Ira can think that. I say okay, but there's no way a Dolphins fan has the Jets going sixteen and two or fifteen and two. Hey, good morning, Dan. How you doing? I'm Gordon. <laughs> Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to Long Island and talk to Bobby. What's, what's up, Bobby? How you doing? Hey, Pete. What's up? Uh, shouldn't be making speaking of history. You shouldn't be making fun of the Patriots. I, I, I think they haven't beaten them like thirteen straight times or something like that. I mean, so I think it's more like I think it's more like sixteen. They haven't won since Maybe. that OT game, uh, that overtime game in twenty fifteen, the Eric Decker yeah, so game. I, let's beat them first before we uh, talk about uh, Buffalo, but. Uh, Anyway, I want to talk about Rodgers. Uh, I just want to get your opinion. Uh, a 39-year-old quarterback with injury history in previous two years combined with a 38-year-old offensive left tackle with a, on a 24th-ranked offensive line. Um, I don't think it's a good combination. I don't know. I see another Brett Favre situation. They make up to a good start, even with their tough schedule. But I, I may be 7-4. and four, But I don't think it's going to last a year unless they straighten out offensive line. Uh, so here's the thing, Bobby, and I appreciate the call. I, I, you have your history wrong. Uh, Rodgers hasn't had a, a situation where he's been plagued by injuries. Since 2018, he's missed one game, and that was because of COVID. And if you remember, that was the Chiefs game where Jordan Love had to come in and start, and that's where we learned you know, he was unvaccinated, and then that became like a big controversy. So, yes, last year after, what was it, week five, they were in London playing the Giants, and he – had his hand, you know, he banged it on someone's helmet and he was playing the rest of the year with a broken thumb. But he he didn't miss any games last year. Since 2018, he's missed one game and it was a non-injury. It was COVID. Uh, so if you're wondering about him getting hurt next year, I guess naturally you do so 
with a quarterback who is aging, not as mobile, and behind a shaky offensive line, at least to start the season, in our minds. But saying that it has anything to do with this like, injury or history that you just made up uh, is, is non-founded. Let's go to Andy in Queens. What's up, Andy? Hey, how's it going? First time caller. Hey, Ty, I just want to say big, 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 big fan. I loved when you, Thank uh, you. you, you covered for, uh, for Bart. You, you killed it, man. That was great. Uh, oh, but Alan, huh? So yeah, that was fun, man. That was during the playoffs, too. You know, me and Alan get talking hoops. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we become nerds. So I, I appreciate you listening, tuning in, and, and showing some love here on the program, man. Always, man. And I, I, I learned a lot from, from you being on there. It was great. All right, so uh, I want to bring up a, a point. I don't think anybody's actually said this yet, but uh, let, 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 let's talk about this real quick. I, do you think that there is a correlation between uh, like all of these major sports that we watch and uh, the long ball being preferred? And what I mean is, like, you know, we're talking on, we're talking about these running backs, their their bag. And and they're they're being devalued. They're you know like no nobody's appreciating the uh, the running back or like these like smaller positions. Everybody's focusing on all right, in terms of basketball. Who can shoot the three? Who can get points the fastest? Uh, you know accuracy. And like now we're talking more about you know uh, throwing and catching the ball in in, in in the NFL. I mean that's always been a thing, but now we're, we're the 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 small yards, the small points, they don't mean as much. Uh, yeah. Do you think that there's some kind of correlation in, 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 in that? And, and we could talk about the MLB, too. Like, you know, that just uh, th- there's a lot less focus on getting on base and, and more about, you know, hitting doubles or uh, just being able to, like, there's not a focus on putting the ball in play. What do you think? Yeah, well, here's the, here's the thing, Andy. I appreciate the call. It's simply about efficiency and high-octane offense and what's more conducive to you winning games. So in football, everyone's scoring because of rule changes and, you know, I guess you could argue players are better, right? Quarterbacks are more talented. Whatever the case may be, every offense is up. So the most effective way to win games is to score points in bunches and do so quickly. That ground-and-pound offense is, is a thing of the past. In basketball, it's a math thing. And D'Antoni figured this out with the Suns. It's, you know, who can hit the most threes to win? Threes are better than twos. Why is it now that in the NBA, at halftime, a team's down 20, the game's not over? It's because you can see in a hurry, really good three-point shooting. You get hot, all of a sudden we have a game and that's just what the league is. In baseball, it's about hitting home runs. We don't want to see the small ball. And teams don't feel like it is in your best interest to sacrifice outs. I know, like, you know, Yankee fans will clamor for bunting. Teams feel like wasting outs. It doesn't make any sense. Because you, you are constructing a lineup where you feel like everyone can can get good contact. And, you know, they're looking at the hard hit rate ball. So why bunt guys over? Why sacrifice us when we think that if you make great contact, put the ball in play, you know, better things can happen. So that so analytics have infiltrated all sports, you know, for better or for worse. 
And it's just about the most effective, quick way to corral points in basketball or football and to score runs in baseball. So that's pretty much what's happening. We go to Brooklyn to talk to Jose. What's up, Jose? Hey, good afternoon, Ty. And shout out to the company and just coming home from the Yankee game. I'm pretty I, I, I'm happy that they won. I'll take the win. Uh, uh, you know, you know where I stand on it from an overall view. Um, it, it, it's just more of, you know, I, I you know me. I don't. I, I'm not a fan of the Yankee analytics of what's been happening the last few years. I just don't think that it's been wor- working as effect uh, as effective as when it comes to the other teams' analytic department. And you know the the small ball game do- does definitely get used used against us in October. It was happy to see them win, and I and I gotta say, um, with uh, my point on Anthony Volpe, um, I think I've seen enough flashes to see that the, the kid does have some type of future. I'm not gonna call him Derek Jeter. I think that was a little erroneous but um he definitely does have some talent that that the yankees definitely do need need, need to use him in the future but we'll yeah. see how how it turns out um also a quick jet question uh so with the what what, what concerns me with the jets is because i i feel like I find the Bills massively overrated, and I find Miami, even though they're very underrated, their question at quarterback kind of pretty much perplexes me. So, why? Like, I don't know why so many fans are get up get get up in arms where I where I feel like we we do have a chance at the division. So I just want to hear your thoughts. Oh, they absolutely have a chance, and I appreciate the call. They they absolutely have a chance. I think because of. Now, I said the Bills haven't, like, compared to what the expectations were and the bar and the standard, the Bills haven't accomplished much of anything outside of one a- AFC championship appearance. Now, I'm I'm saying that because, you know, they're in the conversation with the Chiefs who have won multiple Super, Super Bowls and, you know, been to another, right? Like, they're in the conversation with... The Bengals, who have at least been to a Super Bowl. So compared to those teams, you know, their accomplishment history pales in comparison. But what they have done is win this division. So you have to, out of respect for uh, that, say that they're the favorites. And the Dolphins, I just think, have the most, one of the most talented rosters in all of football. But with all that being said, the Jets can absolutely beat them. They can beat the Bills. They can beat the Dolphins. And it kicks off on Monday Night Football, September 11th. That's a huge game at home. I almost would rather that game be in Buffalo. Just because if you're splitting with the Bills, you you predict that you know both teams protect home field. Which means the Jets, it's not a must win. It's week one. It would be ridiculous to, to phrase it that way. But... Kind of a must win. (laughs) We want to talk around it, but that's a huge game. Right off the bat, given the schedule, Buffalo, Dallas, Kansas City. You've got Philadelphia. You've got, and I'm screwing the order up here off the top of my head. You've got Denver there. That that is a tough slate. The New England is week three, actually. So you've got those six teams. Like, that's tough. Your phone calls when we get back right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. 
98.7 ESPN. You know who this is, right? Harvey. I'm familiar now. Now you're familiar. You're going to learn today, my brother. Saturday night, New York City, getting the energy right. Y'all commuting to, I don't know, a romantic date, a little dinner. Oh, he and he turns it off as 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 I'm starting to get into the song. No need to Beating up with wifey, or maybe it's just sneaky link. I don't want to get you in trouble out there. But whoever you meeting up with, this is the type of vibes you want to be driving to. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. I'm watching this Chiefs Bengals game. I just said, I'm reminded of the feeling I had last February, where. I guess, you know, it was sacrilegious, especially in, in this neck of the woods, to be rooting for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. People thought I was nuts. How could you root for Philadelphia? Man, if Patrick Mahomes on one leg in a year where they're rebuilding the offense after trading away Tyreek Hill, if he's able to win a Super Bowl against, you know, going through you know, Cincinnati and then Philadelphia, the two best teams in football, then everyone else is just drawing dead. Everyone else is drawing dead. So that's why I felt so strongly. The Eagles have to win. We cannot have this guy on one leg win another championship. Because then it starts to feel like, you know, Jordan in the 90s. Where no, no, no one's eating. No one's eating. So that's why I was rooting for the Eagles. And Harrison Bucker just hit that long field goal to, to, win, a champion, uh, to win the championship game. Zach Taylor. The look of misery on his face. And it's like... As, as a Jets fan, you want to be back here, right? Like, you want to be in contention, but then it subjects you to, like, the, the, cool, the cool part about being bad is that after September, the games really don't bother you anymore. You don't feel heartbreak. Losing the AFC Championship game on a, on a 50-plus yard field goal, that one hurts. How do you get over that? I'll, I'll take it because it means that I've made progress, and you know, at least, uh, at least I was one of the four best teams remaining in the playoffs, which is a far cry from what they've been. But man, that one hurts. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to Long Island and talk to Arthur. What's up, Arthur? Hey, Ty. Hey, uh, love your work. How do you guys manage your personal life when you got to cover, like on a moment's notice, for someone else? I, that's just but what I'm calling it's tough. About. It's funny. Yo, Arthur, so so it's funny. I was I was actually running this morning when I got the call from from the head honcho about filling in and doing this show. Just some scheduling, you know, moving around because of the Mets game last night. And initially I couldn't do it because I you know, I was going I'm going to the movies to see Oppenheimer. That was slated for five o'clock. Little date night with the wife, but I was able to move things around, so now I'm going at seven. But yeah, it does require you know two kids and you know family. It does require some maneuvering, but I love what I do, man. And when when you're passionate about this and you got a nice career, you enjoy it. So it's it's cool, man. It's all good. All right, that's great. I didn't know you were so old with a, a modern family. You said what? So old? I'm only thirty, brother. Yeah, you got two kids and everything already. Yes. You're yeah. on the road. I've lived an entire life, man. We 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 we've been doing a lot of work over here. What's up, Arthur? What do you got on Rogers? Uh, uh, Bart Scott made a very salient point last week. Even though he's thirty nine and this is nineteenth year, 
He's only 35 in football years because his first four years he held a clipboard. And everybody's talking, what if he gets hurt, this and that. He's been relatively injury-free. Just what are, you, what are your thoughts on that, brother? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, uh, I appreciate the call. For Rodgers, yeah, you know, him when he was drafted in 2005, being able to sit behind a Hall of Fame quarterback and, and Favre, it's it's eerily similar to to Favre, right? Like Favre leaves Green Bay and you know he goes to the Jets, and people are are drawing that comparison. You know he started eight and three before he got hurt. Yeah, you know Rodgers, he's you you're saying he's a young 39. He's 39. He's he's getting up there in age, but I give him credit for acknowledging that there were some changes that needed to happen for him physically. You know, he's not he's changed his diet and he looks he looks like he's in great shape. And not that before he was in bad shape, but he he realizes that in order for him to continue to play as long as he wants, we saw it with Brady. You know, Brady what his diet was and the T B twelve and all of that. Even avocado ice cream. In order to not just be able to play and stay healthy, but excel at this stage of your career. Uh, you got to make those dietary changes, and it's important for him to, to play long. I, I think he recognizes if he retires with just the lone Super Bowl back in 2010, that's going to be viewed as a disappointment. As great as he is to win that one Super Bowl is a disappointment. So he has to experience the you know changing teams. Peyton Manning win the Super Bowl. Changing teams. Brady win a Super Bowl. You know LeBron changed teams. You know won won championships. So as much as you envisioned and longed for and dreamed of of staying with that one franchise for the entirety of your career, he embraces the fact that you know he's got a different challenge ahead of him. And I'm I think that to the point about age. It's provided, you know, him being rejuvenated. He feels a, a little breath of fresh air, where maybe because of the new challenge, because he's around all these young guys, like the, it, it makes him feel a little bit younger. Now we'll see what happens ultimately when he takes the field. He's not going to see any time in a preseason, but week one, Monday Night Football against the Bills, it all changes. So hopefully he can stay healthy this year. Not succumb to any, you know, the the old age that we're afraid of, and the Jets can be right there with the Chiefs and the Bengals at the end of the season. I see the the Lamar Hunt Trophy being hoisted by Travis Kelsey. Get ready, C.J. Uzoma. Get ready, Tyler Conklin. That's going to be you. This is the Ty Butler Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN.